right. Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater podcast number 44, uh, where we take deep dives into the artistry and history behind our favorite video games, comics, animation, all, all sorts of awesome media. Um, so I'm your host, Richmond. Um, I'm the founder of Art Eater, also a, a animator and a game developer. Um, and with me uh, are my good friends. Uh, hey, uh, everyone, please introduce yourselves. Uh, hey, I'm Sean. I'm usually here. I uh, podcast. Um, during the day, I lead the design teams at uh, NZXT. We're a PC gaming company. Um, been a UI UX designer, creative director for most of my career. Um, otherwise, just here to talk about games and cool art. Cool. And then uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, it's Adam. I also go by AJ. Uh, pleased to be here once again. I'm a game and level designer, uh, pixel artist, international taekwondo fighter. Yeah, I go by AJ on Twitter. You can find me over there at AJ Mattis over there. I like to just retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that I see, so I just do that all the time. Yeah, it's good to see everybody here. Let's get it. All right. Glad to have you guys on. Okay, so the theme today is uh, midnight, midnight snacks. So games that are like a midnight snack. So... Uh, initially, we were planning on doing another 3 a.m. games. That's our uh, other offshoot podcast where we talk about, you know, very strange games that give you that feeling of being up, like, way too late. You know, that sort of hallucinatory feeling. Um, we found that our choices tonight are not quite that weird, right? But they're still pretty pretty weird games, a little bit off the beaten path. So so we, we call today's podcast uh, Midnight Snacks. All right. So um, let's let's get into it, uh, Sean. Why don't why don't you start things off? All right. So uh, um, <clears throat> I I think uh, I I need to give everyone like context, like a particular lead in to like why I I, I started playing this game again before I tell you what it is. Because um, there's because the, I I feel like uh, I you know I think everyone maybe gets on kicks or they they get really interested in stuff whatever. So um, this started with uh, I forget when the other day I was like browsing like netflix or something and then i decided for some reason to watch total recall um which if y'all have not seen total recall it, it is a extremely weird movie with arnold schwarzenegger um as like a secret agent uh guy that lost his memory i'm not gonna go into that but <laughs> it kind of uh whetted my appetite more for this like it served me down this like oh this kind of idea of this dystopian almost like cyberpunk uh 80s type of feel like i ended up watching like demolition man and stuff as well but then um i was kind of like oh i you know i'm really kind of enjoying this i want to play like a more of a cyberpunk type thing but i you know i didn't want to dive into something like cyberpunk 2077 which i'm like still slowly making my way through and i had also just started playing uh the ascent which is uh, a pretty cool indie game that just came out um but that also isn't the game, even though, like, The Ascent's a pretty weird game. Uh, and it's like a, it's kind of a, a, a isometric type uh, cyberpunk shooter. But I was kind of like, oh, I want to play something that's, I don't know, still kind of hits this weird vibe for me. But, like, is more of the cyberpunk that I associate with, like, Ghost in the Shell um, or, or something like that. So I, I started trying to, like, figure out what I could play. And at first, my inkling was, did you ever play the PlayStation game? Uh, that was Ghost in the Shell, not standalone complex, just the the first one where you're you're basically uh, um, you're you're actually not controlling people for most of the game. 
Mm-hmm. So I wanted to play that one, but I couldn't. I couldn't find my copy of it. So I, I eventually led me to return to a game that, like, it was almost 3am like in that, like, I was like, did that game really exist? But it did. So I returned and I downloaded it on an abandonware site. The game Oni. Have you all played that? No. Oni. So uh, Oni is got like a kind of an anime feel. It's very wow. clearly influenced by like Akira and Ghost in the Shell. It was actually yeah. one of the one of the the few games that um, Bungie made that is not like a Halo game or a shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a PlayStation Two game. I actually was one of the first games I had on that. And the reason that it's like, uh, I would say it's got kind of a dystopian uh, storyline. I don't remember most of it, but basically one of those classic ones that like a lot of these movies I was watching where you start off as like um, a a cop in this like dystopian society where you're kind of, you know, uh, enforcing the government's ability to kind of push down dissent. And then you realize that you're on the wrong side and then you kind of start attacking them. And there's not like much to the game Oni from that perspective, but it kind of hits on that very influential style of Ghost in the Shell. And then on top of that, it's actually a really, really fun melee game. Uh, One of the the more fun kind of action adventure engines, like, so you have guns and stuff like that, um, but you also have a lot of like running and kick moves and combo moves and stuff like that. It's actually like for, for an early like PlayStation 2 game, it's like pretty impressive how you do things like you can jump onto enemies and then swing around them to hit other people and then do backflips off of them. You can like hit them, grab their arm and disarm them and stuff like that. So it's got like a real kind of like popcorn, like anime type of feel. I wouldn't say that the, that the enemies are particularly uh, interesting and obviously it's a older PlayStation game. So a lot of the environments are not very detailed, but there's something about it that um, it's still really, really fun. And it really kind of scratched a weird itch in between all these things. Like I was like, no, I don't need these, these Hollywood uh, ascent cyberpunk 2077 games where uh, like, it's got all this polish and all this, uh, all this rendering. I just want something that's like kind of Kira, but doesn't make me, doesn't make me think as hard, but I also just want to beat stuff up. But I also wanted to, to be like ghost in the shell. Like anyway, so uh, that was when I ended up uh, playing recently. Um, Just kind of a, I don't know if it's a hidden gem, but it's a hidden, um, I don't know, hidden pearl or something. Uh, so. All right. A hidden pearl sounds cool. I like it. Yeah. This game, it's got some beautiful, beautiful art to it. Like, the key art shots that I'm looking at, like, they're really, really, like, um, dynamic and very, very vibrant. I really, really like them a lot. Some of the shots of people like punching other people, just the general like posing, the way people hold guns, yeah, really, really good stuff. Yeah, it came out in uh, two thousand one, and it's it's uh, you know very it embraces uh, that uh, sci-fi anime aesthetic. Um, they were definitely mm-hmm. going very much for like a Ghost in the Shell kind of feeling, uh, particularly like the uh, the Oshi uh, anime, um, and then. Mm. Uh, According to Wikipedia, they were uh, very influenced by Akira, of course. Any, anyone into anime in the West back then would have been into Akira. And uh, awesome. also the works of uh, Kenichi Sonada, um, which is surprising. Uh, uh, Sonada is a, a bubblegum crisis and like uh, riding Bean and um, uh, Gal Force, uh, 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 Gunsmith Cat. 
uh, incredible uh, mm. comic book artist. Uh, also very accomplished uh, character designer and animator. And um, also <laughs> inherited a, a confectionery shop from his, that his family has run for, I think, like over 100 years. <laughs> very interesting guy. Wow. Um, yeah, he, that's, wow, that's wow. pretty cool. Yeah, he, he actually runs a, a, a sweets. He makes sweets to this day. That's like his uh, main oh. thing, aside from being a pro illustrator. Uh, and, and of course, he does like all the art and packaging for them now. Uh, but but yeah, uh, Sonata was like one of the biggest um, influences on anime in the 90s. If, if, if you think like, if you just picture a 90s style anime face in your head, um, it, it, it's <laughs> probably going to look a whole, light, a whole lot like Kenichi Sonata's uh, art. So yeah, it's really mm. cool to see a game back then like from... Yeah, from a non, you know, from a, a Western studio that, that embraced uh, this anime aesthetic. Yeah. No, absolutely. I was going to say, hold on. Oh, good. Oh, no, I was, I was, I was just going to add that even, like, the influences is not mentioned, but I always thought, like, even though I thought the enemy designs were not that particularly unique, I always wondered if it also had, like, an influence from Jinro as well. Uh, yeah. That kind of, like, red-eye helmet type of thing. Uh, mm. And then, like, I don't know, it's also made me watch Jinro and, like, Spriggan again as well. Nice. It was oh, cool. all kind of coming out around this time, like, around, like, 2000, 2001, 2004, yeah. or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I think people forget a lot of great anime coming out around then. Oh, heck yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Jinro was 1999, I think. And I, I think it was the last, like, fully cell-painted um, major uh, release for uh, 2D animation. I think uh, everything went pretty much digital after that um <laughs> but that that iconic uh the the um you know the iconic design for the the soldiers with the glowing eyes and the gas mask and the, the armor yeah, that was a big deal um that that actually came from an older uh, oshi movies that is the uh, uh carabaros Carab sorry i'm, I'm going to mangle it the carabaros hmm. yeah. um anyways it's from a series of oshi <laughs> live Cool. So, also oh, flips back around. Okay, so she related. Uh, Carabaros. Yes, yes, that's the Carabaros Panzer Corps. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, and those those were a, a big deal on uh, big influence on the Hellgas, I think from um, from uh, what what is that game called? Killzone. Yeah. Killzone. Yeah. Killzone. Yeah. The developer yeah. said. That. Oh yeah, yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. It, it, it's Absolutely. Influence, right. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. I remember there was a Killzone like game. I think. It was on ps4 ages ago or on ps v or something but yeah anytime i think of killzone i think of like a soldier with those like bright like red like eye eye goggles yeah definitely yeah it's yeah one thing I, I wanted to mention as well actually um that there is this uh what do you call it again sorry there's this there's this older film that i watched ages ago it was one of the first um first times that i ever saw like 3d animation it's like the apple c 2004 film like the 3d one with a Shinji uh, Aramaki like directing, like it was really, yeah, really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, th I remember thinking about this just recently. But like, it's kind of funny that it. Oh, uh, you cut out there. Again, like in like big introductions to um to yeah, it's one of the introductions to three D animation actually. Like, I remember watching this. I think I saw this back in like two thousand seven. I think yeah, something like that. We got it, but we got it borrowed like from a friend of um. 
a friend of mine's dad who i used to train with back at, back when i was doing taekwondo as, like, as a little kid yeah like they were like oh i heard that you like an anime ad and i was like yeah i do and they were like here you should watch this and like they lent it to me for like a week and i was just watching it like again and again and again it's crazy yeah really really good stuff nice. Nice. Yeah, and it's got it's some really beautiful comic. um key art and like posters as well uh, no yeah. actually no but i did i did um I, I've, I've always wanted to that's one thing but like, i did get one of um the shirao like artwork books and I, it's, it's somewhere in my room. I'm not sure where it is, like, this instant. But, like, there was hundreds and hundreds of pieces of really beautiful artwork that they drew. And, yeah, just lots of mechs and, like, half-naked people and, like, androids and all the rest of it. And, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. I love looking at that. Yeah. yeah, Shiro's an amazing artist. His comics are, are great, too. They're, they're great reads. Yeah. No, absolutely. Super cool absolutely. I think if you enjoyed the movie, you'll... Uh, there's a lot to the comics to enjoy too yeah i'm sure i will i really i really have to check this out i really have to i know that i've seen yeah. like a lot of different images just from looking online and stuff and then also having people show me like different clips and different things but yeah like there's a certain kind of like there's an era of like this art and like these kinds of um like bits of key art and like imagery and posters and stuff i absolutely love it like it's quite it's quite strange just like looking back at them and seeing again how well the how well they've been designed and stuff and just like the color theory utilized looking at the the logos and like just seeing even it's a bit like of a cheesy thing but like i really like it sometimes when i just look at logos and i can see like japanese text all over them or just like or the logo itself like in japanese and like how different it can look it's very very cool okay. yeah yeah hey, uh john while, while you're on your your cyberpunk kick um did, did you ever play the uh the ps2 ghost in the shell game they actually made a standalone complex game for uh, ps2 uh that one i didn't play the, the i played the playstation one game uh, i love the ps1 but, game but yeah What's the PlayStation 2 game like? I don't know why I just never did play it. Uh, the, the reason I was thinking of it is um, it does actually look a whole lot like Oni, you know? Uh, Oni being so inspired from Ghost in the Shell. And then, um, yeah, the actual Ghost in the Shell game for PS2 came out in 2002, I think. Let me look that up. Um, or maybe it's not 2002, uh, 2000 and... Ghost in the Shell standalone context. Yeah, 2004. Um, yeah, so it's a third-person uh, action game. Um, so, you know, a lot of, like, uh, running and gunning and some some uh, melee, uh, you know, combat. And then it has a really interesting uh, hacking system, too. They, they sort of um, abstract, like, uh, hacking is integrated into the gameplay, right? Like, you, you got to hack your way through the levels, and it's, it, it's abstracted. It's like a mini-puzzle game. It's um, it, game has a cool aesthetic. Interesting. Yeah. I uh, I think maybe I, I didn't try because I, I mean I really liked the first Ghost in the Shell game. I think it was actually one of Production IG's first attempts at games, but like it was one of those things to your point where I think what you're talking about is what I would expect out of a Ghost in the Shell game. But the first one is just like you're almost entirely piloting the the Fujikoma, right? <laughs> it's all like the whole game, yeah. which is super fun, but it's not what you might expect out of a ghost in the shell game so well, it, it was based know. on the manga right because the movie was a uh, uh, very much an oshi movie and then the the game is uh, very very based on the the shiro manga it's it's to yeah date, yeah that's true to date it's the only um animation uh, based on the manga uh, strictly rather than uh you know 
like the Oshi movies are very much Oshi movies. And then uh, Standalone Complex is kind of its own thing, too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, so the, hmm, um, awesome. the Uchikomas are from the, the manga. And then the Tachikomas were made for um, uh, the Standalone Complex. They're, 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 there's a subtle but important difference. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't remember why they decided to rename them or make them slightly different. Um, but yeah, there, there's that distinction there for some reason. Um, and, and for our listeners, if you're not familiar, the uh, Uchikomas slash Tachikomas are uh, these spider robots. Mm-hmm. And they're uh, semi Well, they're, they're actually sentient, but, but you, you can also go into them and pilot them. Um, yeah, they've got very yeah, cute so voices. They, yeah, super cute, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the um, which you wouldn't think is they're quite destructive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The PS One game is a it's a really weird third person shooter. Um, and and one of the things that distinguishes it is you you can climb on different surfaces because they they can stick to walls and stuff. So it's super fun. Like it's it's not just a typical uh, shooter. It's like you can really scale the environment and like kind of shoot at enemies from weird angles. Uh, you know because of your ability to stick to the wall. And um, also because of that, I think it, it works better with the controller. Um, if I recall correctly, it's I think it's not actually a Dual Shock game, is it? I, I don't remember anymore. Uh, well, it was original PlayStation. I don't think it is actually. Yeah, it's Cause, easy cause to Dual Shock was PlayStation Two. Well, um, the the Dual Shock came out during the the PS One's uh, life cycle, but um, not every game was compatible with the, uh, the extra analog sticks. I just I just remember the first one of the first games that came out that was compatible with it that it was trying to show it off was Ape Escape. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow. <laughs> Don't play that. Yeah. Um, it was um, it was so basically for everyone that, that hasn't played or so Ape Escape is exactly what it sounds like where you're you you basically capture monkeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing that they did that was real weird is with the Dual Shock. If I remember, it was like the left stick controlled like the the angle of the net or something and then you would press down the right stick in order for him to flop the net over and try to hit the monkey um and it also of course like had you know dual shock reactions and stuff so it was like a really like hey what is like all the ways that we can use this dual shock for a gameplay feature and i guess they came up with you know capturing monkeys anyway <laughs> yeah we'd love to see it uh, uh... Fun, some some fun trivia about Ape Escape. Um, there was actually two different TV series. There, there was a Japanese uh, anime, or well, like a CG anime, like a bunch of shorts. And then there was also an American TV series, um, very short-lived, uh, by by Frederator. So it's kind of like very uh, Flash, um, Newgrounds uh, animation looking. I see. Um, yeah, apparently Doug Knapel of of Earthworm Jim fame uh, worked on it too. Um, I see. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and there was also an Ape Escape movie. <laughs> oh wow! Was there really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. it was an anime film. Yeah. Well, okay, a movie. I mean, it, it was only twenty-two minutes long. Uh, I, I think it either aired on TV or like was direct to video. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want I wanted to mention something very quickly about Oni. Just like the thing that we that we talk about here. If you actually have a look, the um the O in Oni, like it looks like um like an on symbol, like on a computer. Like if you look at it. Oh, yeah, I think probably, that's what they yeah. were like 
I think that's what they were going for. I, I just remember seeing stuff like this like all of the time in terms of like you know making something feel like digital or technical. Like they would this you you would you you couldn't get away from this uh, symbolism like at all. It was everywhere, especially like growing up. If I saw this on like on any kind of like a T-shirt or on anything that was you know resembling someone being interested in games or technology or film, I was I was always like, okay, this person's like a, a gamer kind of person. If they're going to be putting this on on their um, on their piece of like software or on on their like clothes or anything like that, it's very specific. So it's kind of cool to see that here. It gives me like two thousands vibes, which is where this is from. Yeah, uh, I wanted to. Uh, real quick give another piece of interesting trivia and like context around the the ghost in the shell game actually this is kind of interesting um so we were talking about the kind of the the fujikoma jumping jumping around and being different which if you look it up it looks a lot like an armored core game so fun fact this came out seven days after the original armored core did they both came out Ah. in july of 1997 um So uh, I, I've actually seen in the past people mentioning how the Ghost in the Shell game was trying to be Armored Core, but I was like, uh, they came uh, out like a week apart. Like, yeah. Probably didn't know about each other during the development cycles. Yeah. Well, they're also <clears throat> so different. <laughs> they're, they're super yeah. different other than being third person action games. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's kind of like when people are, are start comparing, like, I don't know, any cartoony looking shooter to overwatch they're like oh it's the same you're like well just because it's a yeah because it's a stylized looking shooter doesn't mean it's the same game but i I do remember hearing hearing that it wasn't a controversy if you will but anyway (laughs) i was just gonna say something as well Uh, oh uh, go ahead go ahead i was just you know it's like the boss baby meme right like the person who's only ever seen boss baby gets strong (laughs) vibes from it yeah <laughs> of course. Yeah. Big boss baby vibes. We love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to mention this quickly as well because I see that you put in some uh, poli- AD police stuff here. But I just wanted to mention this. It's like, also, I had to just mention Judge Dredd, you know, like 2000 AD, all that stuff. Like, the future cop aesthetic has been there for a very, very long time. And like, this is a specifically yeah. like, it, it, this, um, in terms of media, it's very like British. It, it reminds me so much of all of the Judge Dredd comics that like I used to read back when I was like little. Like, my dad had like a bunch of these. And he also, oh, yeah. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, dad had, my dad had a bunch of them. And I was able to like check some of them out when I was like, a little bit younger, but 12 ish, 13 ish, 14 ish. But there was so, so many of these that I found at like some uh, conventions that like I went to. I went to one like convention where, when I was like really young and we ended up just buying like a whole bunch of these i've still got them in my house somewhere but i got like obsessed with a couple of the ones that i had and like just your dread riding on around on this motorcycle and like you know the whole like dispensing justice vibe with his big yellow like a uh, pauldrons and like this is you know oversized like helmet and just all of the the sort of it's almost kind of like garish like how over designed everything is but it fits into this this really sort of like hyper technical like super gritty dark world that they've set up so yeah, really, really interesting stuff, and like I really enjoyed um, that aesthetic, and it's kind of cool to see how that has been sprinkled into other things like over the years. Oh, totally. It's yeah. it's it's funny you mentioned that because on my kick, I also watched the uh, the Judge Dredd film there you with go. Keith Urban yeah. in it, but then I went and looked. So there is a Judge Dredd game uh, that I have not played, but I have considered downloading it a number of times. It's called Dread versus Death. <laughs> yeah I've, I've never played it it's got like a kind of a 
a more like stylized look. It doesn't look like the comic or the movies or something, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should play it and report back. As far as I know, it's like a 2004 game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know if uh, it's worth playing, but I, I wanted to mention that I, I did consider it before returning to Oni as well. Yeah. Nice. No, you definitely, you definitely should. You definitely should. Like, there's so many of these games which, like, no one really, um, like, talks about. And it's just really nice to, like, hear them being mentioned and stuff. It's very cool. Especially just in general. Like, there's, um, well, what was it? There was this other, like, Judge, like, Judge Dredd, like, character. I think it's like, I think it was Judge Death. I think that they're called, or mm-hmm. I think it's Judge Death. But, like, he's, like, a leader yeah, of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah like, he's, like, a leader he's of these, like, dark judges. Like exactly exactly and then i got like i got a book that was like devoted to like all of the judge all of those like monstrous looking judges and like that sparked in my mind like the idea of like an evil version of a character and i was like this is so like this is so cool i just remember one time i got um for this thing i think it's for something called the world book day or something like that i forget what it was called exactly but back in high school um i used to i still love english classes every as every nerdy kid does you know but uh, yeah like my english teacher gave me like a book and they were like hey like you, you did a you did a pretty cool uh, you did a pretty cool job in class like here you should like have this book and it was a judge dread like judge death book and I got to like keep it for a while. No, like, oh, you can keep it, or you can give it to someone else and like trade books. And I said, like, "Now I'm going to keep it." It's really cool. So yeah, like that's still in the house somewhere too. But yeah, it's 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 really cool just to think about like all of the ways in which like Judge Dread has sort of like seeped into people's lives in different ways and stuff. Because these character designs are really really interesting, and they kind of hammer home the the futuristic sort of like almost like depressing vibes, but they do so in an over the top, very colorful and bright way. Like all of the characters have, you know, bright green boots on, and like they've got the sort of like primary colors on, like a, a blue, a red, a yellow. Like everyone has some kind of like a distinct like tone to them. And even though the world itself is very, like I've mentioned before, very oppressive, very dark, like it's still very bright in terms of like colors and tones and just the ways in which like things are depicted. It's very flashy in your face, not neon, but also at the same time not not um like muted either like they they found a really they found a really interesting way to sort of like stick in the middle if that makes sense yeah uh, the the 2008 comics are amazing they're so influential like they cast such mm. a long shadow over all like sci-fi and dystopic uh, fiction uh, to this day you know mm. like and and on on both sides of the pacific right like you, you wouldn't have uh, mm. a blizzard stuff without well okay so you have 2008 right and then influence games workshop right you wouldn't have yep. warhammer uh, 40k without 2008 comics then without mm-hmm. warhammer you wouldn't have blizzard as we know it right and then um, oh you absolutely wouldn't have st- like starcraft is so influenced by warhammer it's crazy yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, and then um, tying things back to like Oni, like Oni, um, the police officers in that game look just like the uh, police officers from uh, Bubblegum Crisis, and they also did mm-hmm. a uh, offshoot mm-hmm. called uh, AD, AD Police. You know, so I, I think that's very consciously a, 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 an homage to um, the 2080. You know, they're they're just might as well uh, give give an homage to their their inspiration. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that the AD Police look a, a bit like. Uh, 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 well, they, they nothing in in them is actually analogous to Judge Red, but they they just have that vibe, that that dystopic uh, vibe, you know. That's something that hangs yeah, over a lot of the fiction, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. Also, shout oh, out to. Uh, oh, go on. Good. Oh, you you got it, you got it, you got it. Go ahead. 
Oh, sure. Um, I, I, we were talking about how um, Judge Dredd continues to influence stuff. Um, yeah, a, a, a friend of mine uh, who's been on you know the podcast before, uh, your title, um, he's making a game called The Last Worker, a really amazing looking yeah. uh, VR game, really cool narrative. Um, and uh, one of the lead artists is uh, Mike McMahon, and uh, he's a British artist, and he was the original artist on the first uh, Judge Dredd. A comic and he, he continued to oh wow yeah he did a lot of cool 2000 ad uh, comics like uh, slain and uh, abc warriors and uh, one called uh, the last american which which probably influenced um you know the last worker uh bringing in <laughs> that artist um and wow. yeah um, if, if you like this topic uh fiction uh, definitely look look out for uh, the last worker uh really cool game and it's I don't know. It's almost um, that future is barreling down upon us so quickly. Like, I mean, you can tell mm, this from the yeah. title. It's about like the last worker at a fully automated uh, factory, and it's sort of like a yep. par- parody of uh, Amazon. And you know, um, they they've been working on this game for a while, but like now, like the news is filled with like, oh, billionaires racing to get to space, and meanwhile, yep. like workers are peeing in bottles because like they don't have time off you know in in the factories like terrible yeah this stuff is uh yeah it's already here future is we we've been living in it for a long time yeah absolutely i just also wanted to mention everybody with if you want to get into 2000 ad i believe it's still running actually it's a serial right mm. um i oh, yeah, yeah. i, yeah, I don't think it ever it's, stopped it's like they're still making DC. it yeah yeah yeah. No, absolutely, absolutely. I want I want to mention just two things very quickly. One of them, um, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, some more stuff about artists from here, like uh, Richmond, because we have a sort of a, a similar connection in this aspect. Um, shout out to Carl Kapinski. He used to work at um, Games Workshop and is one of my just absolute favorite favorite artists of all time. I think that he is a really interesting person in terms of his life, in terms of his work, his artistry, and the way that he goes about it. He's been quite open in the fact that he had a bit of like a rough time coming to terms with how to shape his own art and how and what it meant to him and in terms of like education regarding you know the the foundations of that and how sometimes you know things can be a bit rough in terms of tutelage for art in England and stuff it can be kind of hard to uh, find people and find courses that like really get to grips with who you are and what you want to be as a creative and his struggles with that he's spoken about that on some podcasts before and on some sorry on some uh, YouTube videos before but yeah shout out to him because you met him didn't you oh yeah really briefly um last time I was yeah. in the U.S. I, I, I was lucky enough to catch uh Carl Kapinski was there with a bunch of other fantastic artists, at, uh, uh, along with um, with with Cassia uh, uh, Tirada and um, oh my God, I'm blanking out. The most amazing, uh, yeah, Kim Kim Jung Hee. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. he's part of that whole super awesome, super super duper skilled uh, crew of artists. Yep. Yeah, that's a super Annie. Yeah, shout out to everyone over at Super Annie. We uh, we stand you guys yeah. work a lot. Yeah, but yeah, but that that was one thing as well because I just wanted to get that shout out in because yeah, th- that like we were saying before with regards to the Games Workshop like influence, it's absolutely been like palpable in terms of the uh, creative thumbprint and fingerprint of like what artists from like England have you know given to the world in a sense. So that's one thing I had to mention. There, shout out to everyone who's worked so hard for so many years. Just that's one thing. And then on top of that as well, 
also just because we're talking about art now i guess <laughs> but yeah like those were um, one other thing which i really wanted to mention there is this uh beautiful beautiful graphic novel and rick remender did some gorgeous gorgeous work on it along with others but um yeah tokyo ghost have you have you have you heard of this Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tokyo yeah. Ghost, basically set in. Yeah. yeah, it's the comic, comic, image comic. Tokyo Ghost came out a while ago. Like really, really, really cool story. Like absolutely love it. It's it's um it's up there on my shelf right now. But um yeah, one of my favorite things I've ever read. For anyone else that doesn't know, it's um it's an American science fiction like comic series. Uh, it's like written by a recommender, drawn by like Sean Murphy and like colored with uh, Matt Hollingsworth and a couple of others. But uh yeah, released back in September of like 2015, I believe by image comics but yeah story was um really really interesting focusing in this uh really again very drab very uh unfortunate we'll say version of uh this nightmarish techno technological future in which like the world has just been sort of you know just absolutely ravaged there are whole sections of like the earth like missing there are all these terrible um there are all these terrible um uh, ailments that people have been like afflicted by that are you know like addicted to technology or entertainment and it's of course set in the year you know like 2089 and there's this guy called um lead dent who rides this motorcycle and you end up finding about his life and stuff and he rides it with um his partner called debbie decay and yeah it's this really cool like exciting story that's got this really big um it's got it's got a beautiful world to it and it's a love story at heart set in a really unfortunate time and i think it's a lot of people would really like to would really be interested in checking it out because I really enjoyed it and it talks about the sort of a little bit of the evolution of how like desensitized we've become with regards to technology but also again like they mix in that action and keep threading in that romanticism for it as well so yeah really really cool stuff beautiful artwork definitely check it out Tokyo Ghost we're talking Ooh. about image comics now but yeah is <laughs> really really cool yeah uh, also i have to say i think the logo the typography is really nice yeah, absolutely right it's it's really cool like it's got it's got a beautiful um it's got a really beautiful kind of like a dynamism to it like it feels as though like it's it's been done like not in like a hurry but like as if do you know when people would write with like the sumier brushes and stuff and they, and they dab it in the ink and stuff like that but they make these beautiful like long strokes and short strokes and quick strokes and stuff like that like it feels like it's been written with that like it's really really cool yeah mm -hmm. and of course this, this really reminds me of something like another art style that i can't quite place but it, it feels really like the colors are muted but they're really well developed um I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna check this out this is really nice absolutely cool. I, I, I had a feeling you, you guys would enjoy this for sure yeah it's it, the artist again like the the color artist here like matt hollingsworth really really good artist i, I recommend that people check out more of his work but yeah absolutely beautiful beautiful stuff and a lot of people like i said before they did, they'd enjoy it so yeah definitely check it out when uh, whenever you can because it is gorgeous like let me oh this is perfect actually let me just send this in this is great just a really beautiful um just sort of like overgrown uh, like cityscape like this is again like very enslaved odyssey to the west but at the same time it's, it's got that sort of like you know future cyberpunk like sort of like bones to it like, yeah really cool yeah, there are these ninjas that live in like an overgrown city, and they're basically like they're, they're living in a, in an old style, but like in an overgrown version of the future. And it's like a really cool, really cool sort of like balancing act that they do regarding that and how it is that they show it and portray it and stuff. <clears throat> yeah, really good. Yeah, it's got a, got a great art style. Oh wow! Ooh. I just see what I just saw what you po what you posted now. That's really cool. Yeah. 
I love that bike. That looks sick. Yeah, yeah. Nirasawa Sculpt. Yeah, definitely. I like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this dystopic is cool. Fiction. Oh. <laughs> yeah, dystopic fiction. I mean, this is where we ended up rolling into. Yeah. Really, really cool yeah. stuff. It's cool. I, I have no idea why why uh, dystopic uh, approaches to things are so interesting to me. Like, I always tried to analyze myself, like, because I mean, I, I've always been a big, big fan of them, but you, you go on kicks where you're just really interested in it, and it's, uh, <laughs> to Richmond's point, like, some of it's getting, like, a little too close to home, but it's, it's like you still are very, very interested in this idea of society becoming something that's got a, a bit more... Um, I, I think that uh, I was discussing with a, with a friend the other day, and we were kind of talking about that. Um, I think there's some dystopia that's that kind of drives this very like sterile look, but a lot, a lot more modern dystopia, like you're seeing in like Altered Carbon as well, is like it, it really tries to take this very grounded approach to what is the logical conclusion of the things that are happening in our society. I don't know, maybe that's why it's so interesting, but it it creates so many opportunities for creative um outlooks of like how societal structures break down or how they they change um so i don't know i just, i I'm, i've always been fascinated with the fascination with this 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 idea especially the, even if you look at the idea of the, the base of dystopic which is that on its face um there's something about the world that's supposed to be perfect but then actually it's it's actually a nightmare right that kind of um reversal i just think it's mm. really interesting Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's quite funny actually as well because we weren't even really specifically going into this, like okay, let's talk about futuristic like stuff now. But it's all I want to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking as well. Like, do you guys remember? Okay, so E3 like a while ago. Obviously, we all know they show trailers like all the time. <clears throat> but do you guys remember Prey like two like the first trailer for that? Um, I I, uh, I remember the first game. Sean and I have a history with that franchise. <laughs> Actually. Oh, okay. Well, no, go for it. Go for it. Tell us. Uh, oh, go for it, oh, sure. Um, so, uh, Sean and I, we actually uh, we we worked together way, way back in the day. We we did a startup together when we were um, in in college. Actually, mm-hmm. we we did a lot of game art, um, and one one of our projects uh, uh, back then was uh, we we worked on the mobile port of the first uh, Prey. So we, we did a, wow. lot, a lot of the, this is like pre-iPhone, so like super duper low poly, um, you know, the textures were like 128 by 128, I think. It, wow. it was pretty much like like doing mm-hmm. pixel art. Um, <laughs> nice. Characters were like, it was like 200 triangles. <laughs> Not even like <laughs> wow. quads, triangles. This, this, yeah. This yes. game would have been available on like a Verizon VX9600, like the ones that had like the top thing that you flip up and it's oh, got like wow. a little keyboard on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, so that, that okay. was one of the first games we worked on. Yeah, that's cool. Damn, I didn't even know that. <laughs> I, I think the first version we did was called Prey Mobile 3D, and then I think eventually uh, we did another version called Prey Invasion. But yeah, yeah, we actually did a bunch of work with 3D Realms, which they also do Duke Nukem. Yeah, of um, course. Which we also worked on, but I, I'd say like that was less fun because uh, like it was mm. mostly just porting. Uh, but yeah, no, we, it was an entirely its own prey game but yeah so so we we know a lot about that franchise that's that's wild actually yeah because i was gonna lead into the conversation talking about a little bit but you guys are damn i I didn't know about you two (laughs) that's cool yeah although i have not played i have not played or looked at uh 
a Prey franchise in probably 10 years at least. <laughs> so, oh, no, no, that's, no, that's what they No, no, Prey, Prey 2 is a console shot. game, basically, yeah. Is that is that from yeah, Prey yeah. 2? Oh, that looks great. Okay, so, okay, so no, no, this, uh, this is perfect, actually. So Prey 2 was a game that got canceled. And it never, it never, uh, it never ended up, ended up releasing. So basically, oh, it's quite, it's quite a long story. Actually, I'll try and like show it. But yeah, um, it was a game. It, the, sorry, the trailer was uh, focusing a lot about like being like a bounty hunter. So it was quite different from the the original Prey. Like pretty dramatically different, actually. This one was set like really in like the far flung future, and you were basically running around this vast cityscape, hunting down bounty uh, criminals with bounties. And you played this hunter who had an arsenal of like high-tech weaponry and you know like snares and like bolos and like all different kinds of things that would allow you to you know capture villains in essence and one of the coolest things about it that i saw in the trailer was once you'd captured a, a villain or someone with a bounty on their head like you sort of you put them in this you put them in this bubble that they couldn't escape from and then they sort of like were teleported away to like a facility where they would be like you know like captured like properly and then you know like i guess like tried or you know just prosecuted i suppose for the crimes which they committed but yeah like it was really really interesting and unfortunate even the fact that like such a cool trailer i think i put the video in there for you guys to watch but yeah a really really cool trailer and really cool idea never really did come to fruition but from that we got to see a lot of really beautiful um like just ideas and like i think there was like a playable version of it that exists on the internet somewhere i've, I've seen some screenshots and i've seen some videos i think like a while ago but yeah like really really cool like game idea and we never got to see it, unfortunately but there was the other prey game that came out obviously just a few years ago but yeah like the prey cinematic trailer like the original like og one that was definitely going to be a, a big, big game. I think it was. I think it was. Um, it was to be published by Bethesda Softworks as well. Actually, a de developer. Yeah, developer Human Head Studios here. Uh, I think like as a designer on it, like Nathan Cheever, composers Jason Graves, Mark Morgan. Platforms. Obviously, it was going to be on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. So that gives you a bit of like a time, you know, like a, sort of a time frame for when the game was going to come out. But yeah, it was a, it, this was the planned sequel to the 2006 Prey game. So this was going to be the sequel to that yeah wild okay. so, so wait this is this is actually because at first i was like oh this must be like a different franchise but uh then i looked at the logo it's got the same font and i was like oh, okay so it's related somehow okay interesting yeah, yeah, yeah um yep same same series yep it was going to be that it was going to be a sequel but never came to fruition unfortunately but because we're talking about like cyberpunk vibes and stuff this was one of the game trailers that i saw again back when i was a little little teenager fucking i was really hyped and excited about everything even more so than now and i was like yeah this is going to be like the next level of like games this is going to be like the next like thing like it's going to be like, the next big thing that gets everyone excited like i was over the moon excited for this for real like i remember watching this um like, yeah, I remember watching the, the video that I put in, like, I, I must have seen it at least, like, maybe 30 to 40 times. Like, I've seen it a lot of times. Like, really, really nice. cool stuff. And, yeah, really interesting to sort of, like, have a look at it again. Because I've not seen it in a minute, but, yeah, interesting vibes here. Big Boss yeah. Baby stuff. It actually looks really <laughs> cool. <laughs> um... yeah, it, it's, it's, it's cyberpunk, but with aliens, right? Exactly. Really cool. Exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. And and you're like a you're a bounty hunter, which has been done quite a bit. But again, like at the time when this was like you know being you know like revealed, I suppose like this again, like it felt it felt drastically new. And as, as well as like the tonal shift from the first game, that was one thing. But 
at the time, I remember there's a lot. There was a lot of people that weren't quite too weren't too happy about not seeing gameplay all of the time. But like in terms of cinematic trailers, I just enjoy them. I love them a lot. I feel like they help set up the, the world and like the idea as to what is the game going to be, and it gets you quite excited. But like, yeah, when I saw this this, this um, cinematic trailer, it blew the doors open in my mind, and I really just enjoyed the fact that there were so many people around the environment, so many cool, really really beautiful particle effects going on. Like all of this was you know culminating in these set pieces like jumping off of like buildings onto like moving trains like trying to capture this one like evil um like dude who's running away like all of it felt very um felt, felt very intense like lots, lots of high octane stuff and yeah it was really really cool to look at very cool uh, yeah, did y'all also something that i that i just uh looked at and noticed is that uh like we're talking about like this is basically like apogee 3d realms and mm-hmm. like, it looks like they transferred the license but um i wonder if some, there's like there's actually seems to be some relation of the dna in this game to uh ghost runner which ah. uh, 3d realms also published okay um so i wonder if uh there's some like it looks like they're completely different studios but uh it seems like there's like there's a couple of things that were apparently meant to be in prey 2 that made their way into ghost runner which okay that makes sense get released last year actually uh, but, I, but I, I didn't. I would never have made the connection had I not been like, "Oh right, that's actually a sequel to like to Prey somehow." Even even though like it, once they explain the story, it makes more sense. Um, but then I was like looking at, I was like, "Oh, there's three realms like Apogee still around." It's like they're obviously named something different now. But uh, it was like, "Oh yeah, they recently released uh, Ghost Runner," and then they were talking <laughs> about, "Oh, it has this, 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 and this," and it's like, oh, "Okay, there's there's definitely some." some cyberpunk dna there um so i i I can't imagine that there isn't maybe some connection there but maybe i'm maybe i'm just seeing similarities where there aren't it's interesting yeah for sure i think we've spoken about this other game as well but um do you remember like ruiner as well like there was that one which was very very cool i remember we spoke about that the video game i think this came out what was it was it 2017 again yeah it was yeah developed by a rikon games and uh, published by Devolver Digital, like Ruiner, this game in which, like, you know, you're running around this, uh, again, cyberpunk shoot up, like, very uh, oppressive vibes, but full of, again, bright visual splendor, lots of color, lots of red, lots of that utilized everywhere. Yeah, and I think I think we've spoken about this because it had a really cool website that we talked about, and it has a really mm-hmm. nice, well, not, not just nice, but a beautiful, like, comic book that, that sort of unfolds and tells you a bit of the story. So, yeah. <laughs> There yeah, is Ruiner has a great aesthetic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, actually, uh, I just did like five seconds of research. Also, to mention uh, another dystopian one we didn't talk about. So apparently, this is actually so the studio that did Prey to eventually became the studio uh, became one more level, which did um, Dishonored. Oh wow! Oh wow! Before That's awesome. Did, before they did Ghost Runner. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, so there actually is a connection. In it, but um, Dishonored is another one that kind of takes like a dystopian look at, um, but like from a different angle, more of like a steampunk angle. But mm. it's still kind of got a lot of those influences in there. Um, of course. Yeah, you, you, could go, you could go down the, the dystopic uh, games train for a while. You could go oh, down absolutely. that for quite a while. Absolutely. Yeah man so okay okay so that's the is that the dystopia section of the podcast done (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, yeah. Like uh, ultimately, I just wanted to talk about how uh, anybody just Oni is not really a good game for dystopian reasons, even though that is a storyline. It's just a really, mm-hmm. really well done beat 'em up that uh, has a lot of stylistic influence that I really enjoy. So that was really the the whole point. I didn't mm-hmm. mean to blow it up into a dystopic fiction. <laughs> no, it's cool. But, it's cool. Uh, we we uh, have to rename fun. the episode now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, no, this is really, oh, yes. this is rad, this is rad. Yeah. Especially, especially considering, like, what I'm about to... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say, like, uh, we, we, we could clearly just do a whole whole podcast on, on that theme of uh, dystopic uh, games or, or, or cyberpunk games. Absolutely. Absolutely. We should do that. We'll have to gather the whole crew next time, and, yeah, we'll, we'll get the... Uh, We'll get the uh, we'll get the gear on, you know. We'll we'll get the weapons out, and we'll yeah, we'll dive right out there. Right, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, so this time I'm about to take it in a different direction because, of course, it's what I've got to do here. But the, one of the games that I'm about to mention is, of course, the Olympic Games Google Doodle. <laughs> this is a completely different direction, and obviously, if anyone's listening to this, you might be like, "What? Right now, really?" I'm like, "Yeah, really." I really enjoyed this. It's called Champion Island, and it features this cat called Lucky, and you play as this cat called Lucky, and it's literally one. It's it's some of the most fun that I've had like this year, just in general, in terms of just playing this game. Like it is absolutely beautiful. Like especially in terms of the fact that like they took something that was so like basic. They took a, a general sort of like RPG, like a JRPG like template in a sense, and then they infused these Olympic games within it. So they have different events. Well, no, I should explain further. Okay, so um, yeah, this doodle, this doodle champion island game is really, really cool. You can play it in like basically about ten minutes or four hours, depending on how it is that you want to, you know, go throughout the world and what it is you want to accomplish within it. But it's a stro- it's a pretty sprawling like Japanese like role playing game like, and yeah, it's got this cute little feline protagonist and the character like I said before they're called Lucky. You got to basically go around this entire island and solve these different puzzles, solve these different problems that characters have while also competing in various different events, just like in the you know the tokyo olympics that just passed so i think that they had like synchronized swimming they had um table tennis they had climbing like rock climbing they had um what else did they have there they had they had rugby i remember that was one that they had rugby for sure they had like sprinting like uh, like on the beach kind of a thing that was a fun game that they had there too I believe that they also had archery too. That was fun. And they had, um, I think I said synchronized swimming already, actually. So they had archery. They had one more thing. I seem to be forgetting about it. Like, what what was that last game that they had? Yeah, I think they have seven games overall, but I'm, I seem to be forgetting one. But yeah, like, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, just like super enjoyable stuff overall. Yeah, really, really cool. Oh, that was it. Yeah, skateboarding. Duh. How could I forget? That was my favorite one. Oh, yeah, skateboarding. Yeah. So you basically were able to control this little cat and like do like lots of cool skateboarding tricks in a Tony Hawk-esque style environment, like grinding on rails and like going over the half pipes and quarter pipes and all the rest of that stuff. And yeah, getting like cool reactions out of the crowd. And yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. And one other thing as well, which is very cool, like there's this room that you can visit and it is... 
basically where you go to sort of like find uh, side quest options. So you can find each of these different characters in this game. Everyone has a problem that you've got to solve and you can end up filling this room with trophies that you get via, you know, figuring out different problems of the people. So for example, there's one character and this is a really beautiful moment in the game actually, but there's this one character on this um, Oni Island where everybody plays rugby and like he doesn't quite like feel like he fits in. And he's like, I want to go live in the city and I want to go and, you know, like, I, w- I want to become a baker at this bakery in the city. But, like, I'm not sure if they'll be able to hire me because, like, I'm not sure if they like Oni or not because, like, Oni in this world are quite, like, scary, I suppose. So, like, he was worrying about that. And then you speak to him and he's like, oh, don't worry about that. Like, I can actually find you, like, a job in the city because, like, you know, there's a, there's a baker there who needs to, who needs, who needs to retire. And like he's looking for someone to help, you know, um, fa- to help uh, run his bakery whilst uh, you know he's retired and stuff. Obviously, so basically you've got to go to him. You've got to find this uh, baker in the city and talk to him. And he'll be like, oh, as long as somebody has like the heart of a baker or a baker's spirit, it doesn't matter who they are. And I was like. Oh my gosh, like, it's such a cute, like, thing to say because it's like, that's how I feel about about art. That's how I feel about so many things, you know? Like, no matter who it is that's making the thing or no matter who it is that's doing it, as long as they've got, like, the want and the skill and the spirit to do so, they can do it. Like, you can be whatever you want to be. So, yeah, this game has a lot of, like, people's problems that you solve and they're very relevant to the real-life emotions that people have faced that I've felt before. And, yeah, it resonated with me a lot and I wanted to mention this today. So, yes, this is the game we're talking about. Cool. Yeah. Nice. And you could, if you're listening, you could play it right now in your browser. Mm-hmm. Right. You can. Yeah. yeah. It's a it's a cool little Google Doodle, and it takes about well, I don't know. It took me. I think I spent about like maybe five hours like trying to complete everything because like there are lots of little like side quests and stuff that that exist within it, like I just mentioned. And you can even get like extra sort of like expert mode versions of the versions of the uh, of the sports games. So for example, like there's a version of the climbing game that's like regular like normal one that you have to beat and there's a version of it that's even harder it's like a hard mode of sorts and like i beat that too but it's very 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 hard so yeah it's a, it's an easy game to to get to grips with you know mouse and keyboard controls and yeah just very very basic stuff but it's got a real kick to it so definitely check that out champion island little cute little google doodle yeah. i just i just briefly pulled it up and even like the intro music is just real yeah like uh really really good Sure. Oh, I didn't even mention this actually. The 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 uh the animation is absolutely stellar. Like it's really, really, really well done. Um, I think oh, obviously I should, I should we should uh, we should point to Richmond, you know, for the uh, for the uh, the professional animator takes. But yeah, like just how, if you have a look at some of this, I feel like you could give us like a bit of like a um a glance a breakdown at a glance as to what it is you're seeing here but it's got some beautiful stuff done by studio 4c and yeah i really enjoyed watching all, each of these sort of like cinematics play like the first one for example is a uh, lucky the cat they're uh, going towards this beautiful island and they're sort of on the start of their adventure but like just the way that the waves are so you know like beautifully animated just like the the deepness of the blue how high uh, how high the waves go up and down and stuff like i really really just enjoyed watching this at the very start of my playthrough so yeah really cool, really fun stuff nice yeah, he is yeah, a I... calico cathlete yeah cathlete yeah exactly yeah see what i mean like, it's very <laughs> yeah. cute yeah yeah, yeah. Sorry, really, so really go ahead cute. go ahead oh i yeah, I, I I have yet to play the game, but it looks uh, it looks delightful. They, they they put an amazing amount of uh, effort into this Google Doodle game. <laughs> this has got mm-hmm. by far and away like 
the most polished game they've they've ever made, right? They've they've been in increasingly elaborate yeah. over the years. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a this is yeah, a, for real. Yeah, full on polished game. You know, in the past this could have been like a a, a game that you paid like fifty dollars for in the, in the uh, late nineties or something. For real, for real. There's there's one area in it um what what really like surprised me actually there's this, there's this place where it where it always rains and it, there's a specific reason as to why that is but as you as you walking towards it like you start to see like l- little bits of uh, pitter patters of rain like hit the ground and then once you get to the actual it's an area in a bamboo forest but once you get in there it's raining so heavily but if you walk in and out of that area slowly you actually get to see like the effect of the rain like starting and stopping as you're leaving the area. And I felt like that really, um, it solidified for me just the, the effort that I've been put into the game. Because like, it was really cool to see just the fact that like, that such a such a realistic thing was again, put into such like a small, you know, title. Like the fact that they put so much effort in just to do that was really, really cool. And I, I enjoyed it a lot. It made it made the world, the world feel that bit more, you know, like realistic to me. I really enjoyed that. Also, uh, because they did Studio 4C, mm-hmm. very prolific. Oh, absolutely. Uh, excellent, excellent studio. Actually, fun fact, Studio 4C, if you ever play Ace Combat 4, they did the um, all the storytelling like art oh, as wow. part of it. That's cool. Uh, and I think they did like uh, Shura's Wrath, and I don't know, they've done a, a pile of stuff. But I was like, wow, do they just have Google people sitting around? And it was like, oh, this is a, a guest work of Studio 4C. And I was like, oh, of course, of course it was. Yeah, um, it's so beautiful. That they're yeah they they seem to really have a um I think they also did like Catherine and yeah. uh, they they've done all sorts of stuff. So they, they, they did what like Tech on King Crete in two thousand six. Yep, yep, that was Studio Four C. Yeah, um, and Richmond talked about it a lot because I know you love that Richmond. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, they they're one of my favorite studios. Uh, um, I think they they recently uh, worked on Children of the Sea and then um, yes. Uh, in, in, during the aughts, they put out uh, the omnibus uh, film Genius Party and Genius Party Beyond, and uh, those were awesome. Now. Yeah, th- those. Oh were, wow! Uh, so is like uh, they. Uh, so they've done a lot of you know commercial work for hire, but uh, historically they've always taken those proceeds and put it back into their own original work, right? So they they do a lot of. Um, you know, licensed work, work for hire, uh, you know, to keep their runway really long. And then they, they always, they've consistently been putting out like really interesting uh, original stuff too over the years. Yeah. And, and they're always pushing the envelope for um, just for animation. I, I, I know that sounds mm. real highfalutin, but they're, they really have been on the cutting edge for, for ages. Yeah, I'm seeing all these random yeah. things I've never heard of before. Oh, go ahead, Sean. They also they also did like uh, like one of the Animatrix episodes and like Mind Game, right? Like they're, they're like yeah, they're, they're, it's one of those things where I, with, the, with the the game we were talking about, like uh, I was like, oh, this is like so creative and delightful, and it just has that this like it has this kind of secondary layer of authentic polish, and then I was like, oh, it's Studio Four C, okay, that yeah. like, explains so much about the level of polish. Yeah. Um, no, definitely, definitely, yeah. Especially in terms of that too. Like, there there are so many cool games out there with like beautifully like animated sequences. But like, yeah, this one really did hit 
in a really cool way because like every time you get yeah, okay so the, the the aim of this um google doodle game is to get all of these scrolls and you can only get i think it's like seven scrolls here so you get each of these scrolls by completing each of the challenges and tasks that these um games masters of sorts like set you so for example there's a skateboarding game and there's a skateboarding tanuki and you have to like beat him at his own you know skateboarding game and then once you once you beat him he gives you a scroll and the same thing there's an owl that's like really good at like climbing like okay beat the owl at climbing gives you a scroll and you've got to you know collect seven a very you know very basic premise but um as you receive each scroll it's like a beautiful animated sequence where you receive the scroll and it's just like every time i got a scroll i was so excited because i was like wow like it feels like a real achievement you know like if you've just like done something very cool and you get this beautiful visual reward for it in a sense so yeah really cool stuff all right gotta check that out definitely to, real quick to, to correct myself, there actually was a Google dev team as well. I just checked into this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Of course, you did do the, the characters and the designs and mm. the animations and stuff like that. But just to, to not uh, to not appreciate the team at Google that actually yeah, did work definitely. on the game as well. It wasn't all Studio 4 Yeah, just wanted to mention that. No, no, yeah, yeah. no, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, there was that. And then there's also one other thing that I want to talk about too. This game, like super, super like weird in some aspects, but also kind of not considering what like line it's from. But I want to talk about Wario Land 4 because it was, uh, this was going to be, this was originally going to be the 3AM game that I thought I was going to talk about for 3AM games, which was supposed to like happen. But uh, yeah, like Wario Land, like <laughs> it's a absolutely wild series. Really, really strange. If you've never heard of Wario Land before, um, I'll just give you like a brief explanation. Um, yeah, so the character Wario, the greedy, sort of like selfish, conniving, mischievous, sort of like backward version of Mario that you may or may not have seen in the world. Uh, yeah, he goes on adventures, and then they're mainly themed around like the acquisition of money or wealth. And this one is not is not different. He's he's also looking for money. So uh, yeah, just um, <laughs> just to sort of like tell you a short like snippet of the intro story. Um, Wario uh, he finds a newspaper one day. And there's an article showing uh, the very start of the game's intro. A pyramid has been discovered. And, you know, what What do you do when you first see a pyramid? You've got to break in and find all the treasure. That's what you have to do, obviously, if you're Wario. So he drives all the way to an unknown location, un unknown location that kind of looks a lot like South America. But he drives cross-country uh, in this uh, beautiful uh, car of his. And, yeah, he's on his journey, and he's just on his way to go get some money. So, yeah. It's uh, some good stuff. The the Golden Pyramid in and of itself is quite myster mysterious. And it is even, you know, home to all of these weird and wacky worlds. There are different zones and, like, levels to go into. There are four main ones, I believe, yeah. So there's, like, this place called... They're called Passages. So, like, there's an Emerald Passage that is mainly focused around, you know, like, nature and wildlife and, you know, fields and trees and jungles and lakes, monsoons, all of these sort of, like, you know, general... Generally quite, like, naturally-based uh, zones and like levels and like concepts the next one is called the, the ruby passage which is based around like man-made um man-made things so for example again like a, there's a place called the curious factory there's a toxic landfill there there's a refrigeration facility called the 40 below fridge and then of course because you know it's a classic there's a pinball zone because why wouldn't there be so there's one of those as well there's a there's a topaz passage which is again a little bit different but like this one's kind of based around like games so for example they've got like a toy block tower there's a there's a big board there which is based on like roulette games and like you know look and probability there's a there's a doodle woods which is full of like you know interesting 
interesting references to drawings, pencil objects, uh, sketches that transform into enemies and things like that. There's a place called Domino Row, which features lots of trails of dominoes, which you can utilize to, you know, race against the clock, pressing buttons to open up alternate paths, you know, to try and get to a place before all, all the dominoes fall. And then there's this last area called the, the Sapphire Village. This is the Sapphire Passage, sorry. And um, there's one of my favorite, I almost said it, but there's one of my favorite levels called the Crescent Moon Village. And this is beautiful. It's this uh, beautiful moonlit village which features several horror-themed enemies. And there's also this introduction for the Wario. There's a, sorry, the introduction for a transformation of Wario called Zombie Wario. And he is a great, great character, really beautifully pixeled, but we'll get into him a bit later. But yeah, there's also a ghost that attempts to steal coins from, uh, from Wario. And uh, also there's a key with each uh, level and you've got to find the key and then take it back to the start of the level so it's kind of like a race against time as soon as you find the key the clock starts counting backwards and you start losing money if you would if you were run out of time so you've got to run through the level find the key item then run back back to the start of the level and then get out so yeah uh, the sapphire passage is all so, about that uh, AJ, so there's a couple warrior land games right mm -hmm. which one are, we, are you, talking, oh, so are you, you talking about the whole series no, no, i'm talking about four sorry wario land four for gba four. yes sir that's sorry oh, okay, yeah. cool. so cool. I, I didn't mention this but yeah, this game came out in 2001 for the game boy advance uh i believe it came out in the yeah in europe here it came out november 16th the 2001 but yeah i remember playing this many 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 times because my cousin had it on her gba and then years later thanks to the virtual consoles uh 3ds ambassador system uh yeah like it was really, really cool that I got to play that because I was one of the people that got the 3DS um, like at launch. And they had this system that allowed you to uh, like play a set number of um, GBA games, NES games for free. So that was cool. So yeah, really, really fun oh, stuff. Cool. Wow. Yeah, it was sick actually. They they had like I think it was like ten like GBA games, like ten SNES games, ten NES games. It's how I played games like Balloon Fight and stuff without actually having to have the system. It was cool. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. But yeah, just having a look at some of the artwork for Wario Land 4, like it is absolutely amazing. Like, especially yeah, in terms of background as well. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, what do you guys think about it? It, oh. it has uh, similar vibes to the Dragon Ball GBA game. Oh, for sure. I think we talked about before. Um, yeah. yeah. No, definitely, yeah, definitely. The, the, there's something that's so it's so strange as well because like, the... oh here's one thing I didn't even mention actually like the um oh go on I was just saying there's something about the GBA sprite art style that I love so much it's just got this like crispness to it like there's a lot of confidence in the way the pixels are used like if you look at the way that the the pixel shadows are done in Warrior like they use a lot of the, the kind of like stippling style effects which I'm sure is not called stippling in pixel mm -hmm. art, but it's so crisp on the GBA screen. I don't know how to describe it, but this game has it, uh, sure. Okay, I think I know. I think I know what you mean. Like the we would call, it, I think dithering. I think what you're talking about, like where the, where they would put some of the the um, so some of the some of the pixels are kind of like in a gradient of sorts. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, 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 that, yeah. That's called dithering. Yeah. That, Uh, yeah, Sean, you're talking about the crispness of uh, GBA games. I, I think, I mean, we yeah, mentioned yeah, this yeah. in past uh, podcasts. Uh, the GBA, I think, has become sort of the um, the most, it set the look for, for sprite art games in the HD era, especially because um, uh, pre-GBA uh, sprite games were made for uh, CRT monitors or just, you know, various types of monitors that would naturally have their own um, 
they would, you know, you wouldn't see the raw pixels. It would be passed through an analog signal and you would get like different, yeah, the final result you'd have to take into account the screen. And then for the GBA, like as a handheld, uh, you just got very crisp uh, raw pixels. And so the that, that, that's why it looks so different from a Super Nintendo game or Genesis or Neo Geo or, or Capcom CPS2 games. Um, th those were made, uh, you know, assuming that they would be played on a, a, a TV or a CRT monitor. Uh, whereas, yeah, GBA, like the raw pixels are what the viewer is going to see. So, so they're done accordingly. Yeah. So you have like the nice effects and just, just this really crisp look. Yeah. Absolutely. And then one thing that I wanted to mention too, there are so many absolutely wild bosses and they get to be so grotesque. <laughs> it's quite funny actually just the ways in which like they decided to go about this because like you have like a you have a really strange like um like a Venus flytrap type plant that's like frothing at the mouth and stuff. And like if you touch it's like saliva, it's like you could become all gross and stuff. It's it's crazy. And then like <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, yeah, it fly it flies around and like and it has um like a, a crown for like a, a for like a pot for example like a plant pot uh, at, at its base and then it sort of like it has these really like spiky spiny leaves that it like attacks you with and stuff yeah exactly Sean just put in something else as well there because that's another one of the bosses but like they're very very um they remind me of the show like Courage the Cowardly Dog just in which they're just the ways like that everything is so like sort of like grotesquely drawn in some areas and some in some aspects it's very very uh, striking definitely yeah yeah um it's definitely not a mario game <laughs> like all stuff that they couldn't get away with oh no for game. sure yeah. yeah you know you know what it 100%. reminds me of it reminds me of the old like, ghostbusters game for the uh for the mega drive or the, the genesis like from way back in the day uh based off of the the movies it was sort of a combination of the movies and the cartoon it had just absolutely bizarre like uh, boss bosses these big big multi-part sprite bosses and they're all really uh cool and you know grotesque looking yeah, from from that you know garbage garbage pale kids era just uh you know gross out stuff was really popular with kids oh yeah for sure yeah oh for sure that reminds me a lot of that you yeah, saw that a lot in um yeah, you you saw that you saw that so much in terms of like the practical effects in movies. A lot of it's very like gross out humor type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah really the, cool. The Wario game though, it's it just bizarre, weird, weird games. Like, um, I mm -hmm. I think in the first couple of them, like Wario can't die, right? Like he has no health bar. Yeah, he, yeah, uh, he, yeah. He just can't die. He's invincible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what can happen to him is he goes through all of these really cool like transformations and depending on yeah. what it is and, and you can and you can use these transformations to do different things depending on where you are in the in the level so for example yeah. like he has a bunch of different forms one of my one of my favorite of these like i've mentioned before uh being a zombie a zombie wario but yeah like okay so if he touches certain things or if he you know like attack is attacked by a certain monster or for example there's a there's a skeleton like the skeleton bird like uh, enemy and it, it, if it like kind of like throws up on him he becomes like a zombie and like he moves really slowly he can uh you know like <laughs> he can fall through the floor and it's sort of like you know um so it decompose and stuff like that it's very gross but it's very very funny yeah. 
like sometimes exactly yeah sometimes he gets stung by a bee like what richmond put in there and he, ha- he has a he has a big allergic reaction and because of the allergic reaction his cheeks swell up and then because of his the swelling of the cheeks he can like fly like an air balloon it's very very silly <laughs> it's so yeah. weird <laughs> i absolutely love it head just swells up and becomes gigantic and he can float we'd love to see it you have to intentionally yeah. take damage and be, be stung by the bees <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love yeah. it i love it it's so it's so silly there's another one of another one of my favorites as well which is um like flat warrior where like if he gets crushed by any type of a crushing object or a piston he becomes like a very flat like lightweight version of himself and because of the you know the sort of like squ- the the version that's been squeezed and you know, crushed in essence like well no literally crushed actually he uh, he's able to sort of like flitter flitter about like kind of like a butterfly like he's like he doesn't weigh anything basically and he can fit into really mm-hmm. small areas so if he if he if he jumps or leaves the ground he falls down instead of like just falling down like a normal person he slowly sways like slightly side to side like if you if you pick uh, up a leaf off the yeah. ground and like and like let it fall he falls like that he doesn't fall straight to the floor he falls like left right left right so like turning in the wind type of thing it's really really cool yeah yeah I, I love it another one of my favorites is like if um a yeti sneezes on wario he just becomes like this frozen version of himself which is very silly but yeah like he's just like frozen in place just really really cool yeah, yeah. I feel like the Metal Slug games must influence the the Wario games because they're they're very playful. I think so. They also have like much more detailed uh, sprite art than the Mario game. Mm. I think one of the coolest things about that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, just real quick, like like turning into a zombie. You know, that that was an iconic Mm -hmm. part of uh, the Metal Slug Three. Oh, of course, yeah. Mummy or uh, being frozen by a Yeti is something that happens in, in Metal Slug. Yeah. Oh cool! Well, wow, I didn't that, know that. Okay, okay, this is okay, okay. This is one of this is one of the enemies. Um, I forget his name actually. One second, like, oh, what what is the name again? I'm gonna find it in a second. But basically, what I'm talking about is a, there's a pig, there's a pig um artist enemy, and he's able to draw, he's able to draw um the enemies that like he wants, and then like they become real in a sense. So what's his name again? I'll find it in a second. Uh, Hoggus, there you go. Hoggus, that's his name. H-O-G-G-U-S. Yeah, a floating piglet <laughs> artist that does not harm Wario directly. He draws um, he draws a couple of enemy types which come to life shortly after he draws them. And he only appears in this place called the Doodle Woods. So yeah, that's what I was talking about before, yeah. Like, how cool is that, right? Like, this is this, um, this floating, like, pig-like artist enemy. He draws a character, and then th- that character becomes, you know, real, and then they fly off his page and they attack you. It's very silly, but we love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this game is just—it's yeah, full—it's full, it's it's full of energy. Yeah. It's, it's got—it's yeah. got the beret, a little hat on, everything. It's very silly, but like it's—it's it's exactly my kind of jam. Like I love it. Like, yeah. Nice. One sec, I'm gonna find it real quick. Zombie Wario. For a specific it is gift. A delight, delightful uh, concept and design, though. I like it. Oh no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 all like it it's all full of so much like zest and like dynamism. Like each of them, they they are very like they're very silly in idea, but like in execution, they're really really like fully fledged and like well done. Like they've really gone all the way with the idea. There's no like half measures. Yeah, Whoa. those are crazy yeah, colors. It, it, yeah, right. They're so bright. Yeah, it's yeah. quite funny because if you if you make him walk left and right, it looks like he's doing the thriller dance. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely like a, a reference there for sure. 
But yeah, like it's really fun. I really love this game, and more people should check it out. Uh, Warrior Land Four for the GBA. Yeah, definitely uh, look into that if you can. If you've got a Game Boy Advance, or if you've got anything that can run like Game Boy Advance games, definitely look into that. Or, or look into the Warrior Land series as a whole because they're all they're all great. But yeah, like yeah. this game is a uh, special. Is it yeah. still possible to get a hold of a GBA, or do you have to emulate them? Um, you can you can still get a hold of a GBA. Like there, it depends on where it is you're trying to buy them. But yeah, they definitely still like exist in the world. It just depends on like what it is that you specifically like are looking for. Because some people like mod them. Some people um have they, they have like backlight mods. They have mods that, that run emulated games. They have like mods that make like the GBA bigger, like a switch. Like there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's there's all kinds yeah. of stuff going on. I but mean, yeah, it's definitely it, possible it, to just emulate them too. Always... But it depends. You could always get a DS as well. There's plenty of DSs true. floating around. Um, Very true. I think that was the best-selling handheld ever, right? I think I, I think so. Yeah, I'm yeah. very popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah I um, could see that. I do seem to recall that being true. Yeah. But I, I, like, mm. like pre pre pandemic, um, I don't know if this place is still open, but I, I discovered there was a, a used goods store, like 20 minute walk from my house. And they had a mm. box of uh, DSs, um, and you know they were like two hundred bodies. That that that's like about seven dollars. <laughs> oh wow! Um, I was just like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" And and to Nintendo's credit, some of them still had uh, a, a, their charge, like ten years later. Oh, I for couldn't sure. Believe it. Like, <laughs> I was like testing it. I was like, "Whoa!" Like, some of them are still charged. <laughs> They're amazing. Little that's devices. wild. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to talk about just one last thing before we sort of like move on. But yeah, like in um Warrior Four, they have like they have they've got like lots of different bosses, right? So for each one of those zones that I mentioned before, they have a specific sort of like boss. And one of my favorite, well, no, they're all they're all really cool. But like one of my favorites is this boss called Cuckoo Condor. Like I just put in a, a video there, but like it's this bird that like exists within a cuckoo clock. And as you beat up the clock, parts of it fall off and you see this like grotesque looking condor that like lives inside of it. And it is just absolutely wild. Like it shoots out like electric charges out of this like tuning fork type attachment on its arm. And it has like a, a bird that comes out of its like face area. We obviously, you know, cause it exists within a clock and you know, when clocks go cuckoo, like they open up and they come out and stuff. Yeah, it's really, really uh, strange looking. And also as well, just the boss themes, they have these really strange, um, sort of like detuned almost, very eerie sort of like chimes that play at the start of every boss fight. And they signify like the time. And stuff it's very very cool to listen to but it's also very very like eerie and ominous so i love that it's really cool but on top of that too there's a character i forget his name right now but like there's, there's like a salesman that you can buy different items for to fight bosses with so for example like if you need help fighting a boss you can get like a certain amount of like money and then like you can visit this character in this item shop and yeah like they'll just they'll just appear and then they'll at the very start of the boss battle they'll help you out so they can give you like a big fist to punch uh, a boss with or you can have like a a pair of like large lips that kiss the boss and deal like a, a large amount of damage or you can have like this cool like black dragon that appears and like breathes fire on the boss and stuff like that you can have like an apple bomb which is raised up which which, inf which inflicts like a small amount of damage but yeah it's it's cool to have this system that like helps people out in case you know they, they actually yeah. need like a, an aid with the with the fight so yeah they, they did that again in peak uh, comedic fashion which is yeah. the uh, the emphasis in the series yeah 
It's so funny. Wario can pay to win. <laughs> yeah, no, li literally that. Like, yeah, literally <laughs> it, that. It's it, great. Because it that, that's actually a core part of his character. He's obsessed with money, right? That's it. Yeah. For real. Yeah. It's funny as well because oh, he even it. shouts at the very start instead of like, let's go. He's like, hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like telling you, so we need to get some more money. Come on, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. The, the helper thing. It looks like a Mr. Game and Watch. Yeah, oh, exactly like right. That's also like another little reference. Yeah. He isn't like actual Mr. Game yeah. Watch, I don't think. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very very fun looking. I I I recommend that everyone check um that everyone check this um check this game out because it's very very funny. It'll make you laugh a lot. Yeah, yeah. You you just know this game must have been like super fun to make. It's definitely the kind of production where mm -hmm. people are just throwing ideas out there and just you can just imagine any any idea that cracked up the whole team. They were probably like, yeah, let's just do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, imagine like pitching that to the group, like a like a powerful weapon that's just like a pair of lips that kiss the boss enemy, and then because of the kiss, yeah. like the damage it deals, like it brings the health way down. Like, it's just hilarious. Yeah. Like. Or, or or like a cuckoo clock boss, except it's like a yeah. grotesque, flashy condor inside. It's exactly. Like yeah. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. It's very very silly. Yeah. But yeah, so that was a, that was my game. Big influence on me and on my on my uh, my love of the GBA just generally. So yeah, we we love to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great choice. Oh man, mm. what about what about you, Richmond? Okay, um, my game is a little bit more sedate. Uh, it, <clears> it's it's a indie game uh, that I played recently that I, I just really enjoyed. And I just wanted to find some opportunity to talk about it. Okay, so my game is called uh, Adios. Uh, so mm. it's, it's a game. Um, it's it's a very it's hard to describe. I, I guess it's it's a narrative game, right? It's 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 more about sort of experiencing the story and the narrative and the characters than um, like any intense gameplay or anything. But but it's still very much a game. It's it's not just like a series of. Uh, it doesn't feel like you know a long movie scene or anything. Um, yeah, hmm. it's called Adios, uh, developed by uh, Mischief is the name of the company, and the, their founder uh, simply goes by Doc. And you can follow them on uh, oh. Twitter at Doc Squiddy, D O C S Q I D D Y. Really fun account to follow. He's super, super opinionated about um, well everything, but especially his approach to uh, games and narrative. So his philosophy uh, for his games is everything should serve uh, the narrative, right? So the game needs a strong story, strong characters, strong themes, right? And then everything should support that. And um, mm -hmm. I think to that end, uh, Adios is is super successful. Um, it's you know, the game equivalent of a really nice uh, short story. It, it's a very short mm. game. Um, you, you you can play through it in about 90 minutes. Um, and uh, yeah, the premise, uh, it's got a great premise. So um, you play as a pig farmer and uh, he's been helping the mob uh, get rid of dead bodies for, for ages. And uh, now he's decided to uh, call it quits, which of course, you know, will have pretty... Uh, drastic <laughs> consequences, right? It's not the kind of uh, job that you're you're actually supposed to be able to back out of. 
Yeah, you can't <laughs> just leave. So yeah, he plays this character, and um, there's uh, his friend is a hitman who's the guy that always comes by and uh, drops the bodies off, you know, and feeds them to the pigs. And, you know, they, they're actually, like, friends. Uh, they're not close friends, but uh, they, they have, like, a chemistry, right? They're, they're, they're work buddies, and they've been doing this for ages. And the whole game is this push and pull between uh, you, the, the main character, the farmer, who, um, you know, uh, wants to get out of this, right? Uh, for various reasons that are explained um, as you play, like, you know, he, he's just gotten sick of this. Uh, and then there's the hitman who's trying to talk him into, to, to you know, to keep doing it. And not mm -hmm. just because it makes his life easier, but like, he, this is his friend and he, he doesn't want his friend to be in danger. And um, mm -hmm. the gameplay itself is really simple. It's, it's first person. Um, it just takes you through, uh, you know, th this, this day, day in the life of this guy. Uh, where he makes this super important decision. Um, and most of the game is just uh, walking around the farm and doing like little chores and, and talking to your friend. And um, yeah, it's, it, it sounds super simple. Um, I, I think maybe some people might uncharitably describe it as, oh, it's a walking simulator, right? Uh, but hmm. I think it's much more than that. It's uh, the way the conversations play out. Um, on the one hand, it's, it's very curated. Uh, the personalities are already set, so it's not like super open, right? It's it's not like oh you're you're conjuring up a character like like in a Bethesda mm. game or something, right? Um, it, it's you're you rather you're inhabiting some this person who has their own history, um, and it really puts you into that moment. It really takes you through like what they're feeling, and the the dialogue choices are 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 interesting because a lot of times it's just different ways of saying the same thing, but just subtly different. Uh, it, it's hard to explain, but um, I, I think it's just one of the most tightly scripted games I've, I've ever played uh, in general. Like the, the, the script is good. Uh, the characters come through really clearly. The voice acting is excellent. Um, and uh, the, the two voice actors, like they, they seem to have real chemistry. You, you, you feel like, oh, these are like two friends. They actually have like some history together. And um, yeah, within that 90 minutes, you, I, I just got really attached uh, to the characters and um, yeah, just really polished and uh, very emotionally affecting, you know? Um, yeah, it, mm. it's, it's very much like an art game. It's an artsy game, but um, it's not a, it's more fun than I'm, I'm making it sound too, right? It's <laughs> uh, a lot of um, artsy games. Sometimes I feel like they kind of rely too much on the seriousness of the premise and sort of just right. like, oh, you know, it's a game that dares to talk about something like super, um, yeah, super serious. And, and this game is deadly serious, but there's moments of levity and, and it feels very natural. Um, it does an amazing job of making you feel like you're actually talking to someone. And uh, yeah, mm. super cool game. Oh. And it, it's got a fishing mini game, and um, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, but like, uh, it's no, no game with a fishing mini game is is bad. <laughs> like, they're all pretty cool. good. I've never, I've yeah. never played a, a game with a fishing mini game that was not like at least pretty good. Yeah, F fishing mini games are one of those things where you're like, oh, this seems boring. I'm playing this game. Why would I like? And you're like, oh, well, I guess I, you know, might as well try it. And then you're like, oh, this is. Oh yeah, okay. And you're like, okay, and then it's like fast forward to like the next day, and, you, and it's like, 
hey, how you enjoying that game? It's like, okay, I'm taking, I, I have to get everything out of this fishing minigame. I have to get every lure, I have to catch every fish, and I need to do it relaxingly, where everyone just leaves me alone, and I can really chill. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure so why, every- but like, seeing this guy here, with, with a gun, it reminded me of this one scene from, do you remember that film, uh, Looper, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, look, look at these scenes I just put in there, but like, yeah, I, when I saw that instantly, I was just like, Looper. Like, it just reminded me of that for some reason. But, like, I really love the color the utilization in this and, like, just the fact that, like, they've kept everything so muted. But, like, it makes the world feel... It, it makes the world feel, like, like you're cold, like, a little bit, if that makes sense. Like, it's very interesting, the way that they've done this. Like, it feels like a cold yeah. autumn day. I like it. Oh, well, precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The art direction in it is really good. And, I mean, um, so so... It, they're they're a, a small developer. They're not like a they're a self-funded uh, developer. Mischief. It, it's pretty much a doc is the main dude, and then he will hire you know artists for specific projects, uh, certain voice actors, voice directors. But um, it is very much one guy doc, the auteur driving it. But um, even though they 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 don't have big budgets at all, uh, uh, it, you know, doc isn't even someone that comes um, with like advantages, you know, whether that's like uh, coming from money or, or just simply having a great support structure, like people that can, you know, being able to live with your parents while you're making your game or whatever, like he doesn't have any of that. Like he, he really struggles to make these games. And yet um, the final results really polished, like art Amazing. is really nice. The graphics are, uh, the characters have a kind of comic book shading kind of look to them a little bit like, um, like the Walking Dead games, kind of <clears throat> the the story driven ones, and like you said, um, it does this wonderful job of evoking like a crisp uh, autumn day, um, and I think it does a really good job of authentically representing a rural America too. Like uh, I, mm. I, I didn't grow up in the country, but I I, I did. I spent uh, twelve years of my life in in Virginia, um, northern Virginia, very oh very suburban. And uh, you know, just outside of DC, very urban area. But but yeah, like uh, we'd make weekend trips out to like Shenandoah, like go out to the countryside. And and I had friends from uh, a more rural uh, background, so I I dipped my toes in that part of America a little bit. And um, yeah, this game really evokes uh, memories I have of going out to uh, yeah the rural America. And and the main character comes from that kind of background, and it's it's one of the more authentic. Uh, representations of uh, that that part of the world that um, typically when when it pops up in movies or especially in games it's usually going to be very reductive stereotypical jokey stuff like mm. this game treats it as like yeah these are real people like um yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. another interesting thing is that the main character is like uh, this this uh you know he's a farmer he's a rustic dude and then his good friend is this very urbane uh, assassin and um it's really interesting because their voice acting styles are almost like they're from two different genres like the main character sounds very realistic like like mm-hmm. you know someone from like a documentary uh, and then the hitman is a bit suave he almost sounds like a, you know like a cowboy bebop character or something oh cool spike spiegel yeah. yeah 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 interesting he really like conjures up like spike or something like uh but uh, so it gets across, okay, they're from two very different worlds, but 
you know, they, they, they do this job together. And over the years, they've developed a camaraderie, like a fondness for one each other, for each other. And it, it, there's real chemistry there uh, with, with the actors, um, which is, uh, yeah, I, I just found myself thinking like, oh, I don't actually see that in, in games a lot, right? Like, uh, that, mm. that's something that you'll, I'll think when I'm watching like a, a really good movie or something, but um, I, I don't typically think about the voice actors that much in, in games. Uh, but mm. this game is so dialogue focused um, that it, it was super important that they nailed that. And yeah, they really did nail it. That's awesome sounding. Yeah. I, I have to check this out. Yeah. I also I also love what you're talking about. The like, there's that Telltale style mm. of of uh, visualization, but it looks like this one's got that real, um, really like thoughtful, opinionated style. Like, it looks like the the way the people are rendered and the way that all the colors come together. It's just like they took a piece of really thoughtful art and then made a short a short game out of it, right? And yep. it, it's just I don't know. I love the the atmosphere that that kind of um, I, I don't know if th- this is a case where it's not opinionation. It's just that kind of confidence delivers. It's all about really like leaning into the way that you're going to stylize things and bringing it all together. And it seems like probably one of the reasons it's such a short game is that um, you don't need a lot of time to deliver on like atmosphere and theme if you if everything is really tight yeah. and really mm. tells the story together. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I- I think they were just super smart with their resources, you know, rather than trying to make like a huge epic sandbox. It's a very intimate contained uh, sandbox, but within that it's pretty open. Like um, mm. if you really want to spend more time with the game, like you, you can, you can wander around. There's lots of different mini games. Yeah. There's fishing. There's a, a what do you call it? When you shoot the plates with a shotgun. Uh, oh, oh that's it's like it's like the it's like the duck uh, clay, no, clay pigeon shooting. That was it. Yeah, 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 clay pigeon. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, um, you you can milk some goats. <laughs> nice. You, you can we love eat it. apples to a horse. It's 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 weirdly relaxing. And then, um, given sort of the 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 central conflict too, it's it's very uh, uh wistful. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it really successfully conveys. Uh, it's a very human feeling game. I don't know. I just really enjoyed spending time with this game. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, could, yeah, I was just saying before. Sure. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. No, so you, you got it. <laughs> oh no, I was I was just saying I'm I'm gonna gonna check it out. I'm actually uh, really like the, this kind of game. I I almost. Uh, I'll bring it out. I almost was going to talk about the Stanley Parable. Um, okay. Which is like a much more weird game, but it it reminds me a lot of this this type of game, which has got a very strong art direction and a very interesting attitude, and mm. it, it delivers just a uh, it delivers on exactly what it tried to, and it doesn't try to make the scope uh, bigger than it needed to be. And I, I don't know. I really appreciate. <clears throat> I really appreciate art and artists that go into something and they're really focused, really interested and satisfied with delivering a very tight focus experience. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, th- th- this one kind of like hits that same level where I'm like, Oh, I'm really intrigued to, and it's, and to your point, Richmond, it's, it's not just a walking simulator. It sounds like in order to deliver on a lot of the feeling and atmosphere, it needs to be a game. Like it needs oh, to yeah, be interactive. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You 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 can't just watch this in a movie, and yeah. I think that's something that's yeah. really powerful about games. Um, 
is this ability to be intimate. No, definitely. Yeah, oh, that word intimacy is crucial, yeah. yeah. Mm. I just want to say as well, like, especially in terms of, like, the uh, the visuals, just, like, that intimacy is palpable for sure. These are very, like, carefully selected, like, scenes and shots, and it's all been, you know, thought of, obviously prior, but, I mean, like, just in terms of the way that certain, certain shots are, for example, I'm just looking at these now, like, the framing of some of these shots, and, like, the actual composition, like, it's really high, high quality stuff. It's really, really nice, and it sort of tells a story multiple times over just the fact that like you can get a feel for like what's going on in these situations sure but you also get a feel for like what the world outside of the characters like is like and i've not even like played the game yet do you know what i mean so like yeah i can already tell very like quaint town very like you know like homely vibes but like there's something going on perhaps uh, in in uh in the under in the underbelly of everything but yeah really really nice to check this yeah. out I really, i'd like to check this out it's it's interesting you say that because um um yeah the game absolutely is great at that like there's a lot of environmental storytelling too i i don't want to give away too much but like when what you can explore the guy's house and there's there's just stuff in the rooms that tells you the history of like the family that lived in that house and it it's weirdly touching you know and you just kind of explore it at your own leisure it's totally yeah. unforced um, and then when, when you talk about the world building, um, there's so much, uh, Doc, this dude puts so much thought into his games that um, he, he's he been teasing like uh, what he's going to do for the sequel. And he recently talked about how the sequel um, is going to have a cat girl. And people are like, wait, what? Okay. And he's like, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's going to be like an anime cat girl in the sequel. And they're like, no, you're joking, right? He's like, no, no, it's trust me, it'll fit. <laughs> <laughs> it'll fit mm. this world and the tone of this game and I, I, yeah i can't wait to see that <laughs> it's, um, yeah he's got a whole alternate uh history of america uh, subtly worked out i think for 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 this setting um <laughs> yeah we look to see a it. really good writer yeah uh, i'll just say one, <laughs> one more thing about the so a lot of the gameplay is just like uh, branching dialogue but um, it's written really well. It's fun to mm-hmm. listen to, and um, it absolutely wouldn't have worked as like uh, like just a short story or like even a short film. Like it wouldn't have the same effect. Like like what we were saying before. Like it had to be a game. Like uh, mm-hmm. the the in, the experience of playing it as a game, and and just the the way. Uh, just the simple choices of like uh, you know what to say in the conversation makes a huge difference. It, it does have a different sense of um, very successful sense of intimacy to it that that you couldn't quite get from a movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so even though um, it doesn't have the most complex you know like a super um, skill based gameplay, it's 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 very much a game, and it, it's very much doing something that only a video game could do. Yeah. So hmm. yeah, adios. I, I super duper recommend this game. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I was just gonna yeah, say before please, as well, it, um it. Yeah. Oh no for I sure, did. definitely gonna check this out. Gonna give uh gonna give some support. Have to. Yeah. yeah, but um, it reminded me as well of that other pro- of that other project that I put in, that game Virginia. 
like that was developed by like Variable State, released uh, published by Five Hundred Five and released in like uh, September of twenty sixteen. Like it's kind of got a similar kind of like a, a similar kind of a look to it, but also very. Um, heavily focused on story and text and like narrative and stuff playing as like a first person like fbi agent trying to solve a crime and it, yeah really really interesting just to see like the sort of like parallels here in terms of like beautiful shot composition like really cool utilization of color like very 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 nice like uh, 3d modeling too in terms of character designs and like the sort of the ability to show in such a specific way, like who the characters are and like what they're about, just without even having to know anything about them. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, really, really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Virginia looks nice too. Uh, both both these games are very uh, expressionistic. I think like uh, mm. um, they're very stylized, uh, but they they evoke real life really well uh, without having to get into all like the porous uh, uh, surface details right it's more about cutting to the core of the, the shapes and the colors and and um, just elegantly establishing the mood uh, that you want rather mm -hmm. than uh, photorealism mm -hmm. yeah. yeah definitely got to got to check that out But yeah, um, this was a this was a good one. This was a real good one. Is that everyone's stuff done? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool, cool. Sounds like we're all wrapped up then. Yeah. All right. It feels so uh, weird. Uh, we missed Thomas. <laughs> we missed Thomas and James. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lower energy uh, podcast today. A little but, bit, but it's cool. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. All right uh let's let's close things out so um yeah uh th thanks thanks for listening thanks for tuning into the art eater podcast i'm your host richmond uh yeah if you've enjoyed this podcast um you, well you can follow me on twitter uh, at richmond lee that's r-i-c-h-m-o-n-d underscore l-e-e -E. um yeah I, I just tweet about stuff all the time i, I treat twitter like it's a blogging platform so i'll just go on long long threads about whatever uh Topic interests me at any moment, um, and then of course, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please follow uh, us on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast, C R T E A T E R Podcast. Uh, that's the best way to stay um, stay abreast of like all the latest uh, news from Art Eater. Uh, it'll be the first place you'll know uh, you'll get updates for uh, new podcasts and just you know upcoming news. Um, and if you want to catch up on our old podcast, you can go to uh, www.arteater.com. That's A-R-T-E-A-T-E-R.com. Uh, yeah, and click on the podcast section and uh, you'll catch up on every podcast we've ever recorded there. Yeah, so um, yeah. yeah, thanks thanks for listening. And uh, hey, uh, Sean, uh, Adam, uh, let, let everyone know what you, you've been up to and how to, how to follow you. Yep, I'm uh, Sean. I'm usually here. Uh, edit the podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Daborsk, uh, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. That's basically unified my tag into most things, so if you're looking for me around. Uh, I obviously talk a lot about PC gaming uh, because I lead design at NZXT. So if you're interested in those kind of things like PC building or technology, um, I've been talking a lot about that and retweeting it. Otherwise, I'm still spending a lot of time on writing in the background, although I haven't released anything recently. If you're interested in uh, UI UX uh, studies, 
of things. Uh, a lot of what I'm currently writing has to do with that. Um, working on a, a book that's also about um, user experience and, and stuff like that. So um, we'll be sharing that eventually. So if you're following me, you will hear about it. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, last thing that I'm kind of working on is I've been doing a lot of uh, mentoring at uh, adplists.org, uh, which stands for Amazing Design People. Uh, uh, whether or not you find me or anyone else, if you're someone that's looking to get into any, uh, like any type of design or um, just want to have access to uh, people to help you with, you know, kickstarting your career or working on something, uh, a lot of people that I've... Uh, kind of talk to are, are trying to move from different careers into design. So I think it's a really worthy place. And I, I think it's great for people that are trying to learn some of the reality of getting into parts of the industry that maybe they don't tell you in school or it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to know what you really should be doing. So uh, like I said, you can book me on there. It's, fr- it's free. Mentoring is free for no matter what you're doing. But um, I would recommend it to everybody. And if you're interested in talking to me, feel free to jump on there and book. But I, I do highly recommend you look around at uh, all of the different uh, designers and leaders and uh, people that are giving their time for free so that you can kind of pick their brain or get a portfolio review or whatnot. So anyway, that's me. Awesome. 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 Uh, what's up, everybody? It's Adam. Uh, I was pleased to be here once again. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad I got to talk about all these different games that I really enjoyed and also hear about some really cool stuff and have a dystopic chat at the start. That was a lot of fun. So, <laughs> yeah, really cool stuff. But, uh, yeah, I'm a game and level designer and pixel artist and uh, Taekwondo Fighter 2. Uh, I go by AJ on Twitter, but also Adam, but uh, you can find me over there at AJ Mattis. So it's A-J-M-A-T-T-I-S on Twitter. I also share, retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that I see, as well as also if anyone needs any pixel art doing or it's anything or has anything related to pixel art to say to me or just wants to say hey what's up that's happened quite a lot of times now because of the podcast and stuff so i'm always happy to do so that's always a lot of fun and uh yeah right now i'm working on a couple creative projects with some friends which is cool one of them is well i can't really talk about it quite yet but one of them's a lot of fun and things have been going very well inspired by a couple of groups uh of really cool music makers and stuff so i can talk about that a little bit more in the future but that'll be fun but um yeah doing some more pixel art for some people i got a couple more clients coming through which is good and also i've had a couple of people who wanted you know commissions and stuff like that done if anyone else would like some just say i uh, feel free to hit me up we can talk about some work and some rates and things like that that'd be great too i got the i got the pixel juice so if anyone needs it come see me yeah good stuff uh, if you liked what I, if you liked anything that i had to say today uh, feel free to drop me a follow so you can hear some more and yeah get in touch if you'd like yeah take care stay safe see you all next time this was fun yeah good stuff Later. Alright, stay safe there, bro.